Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Coffee and Prayer. I'm Pastor Andrew F. Carter, and it is 5.30 a.m. here in Gilroy, California. As you guys are tuning in, please let me know where you are and what time it is. Good morning, you guys. How is it going? This is a worldwide ministry. We have brothers and sisters from around the world gathering together, all for Jesus. You guys, it's all for Jesus. Everything that we do, everything that we say, all of this is surrounded uh, and, and built on the foundation of preaching Jesus and sharing the love of Christ with one another, encouraging one another, lifting each other up. We got brothers and sisters. Look at this. This is crazy. Brothers and sisters. I'm in Gilroy, California, and we've got Axel in Paris. We've got David in Dallas. Oh, that really rhymed, though. Damien, Miami, right? We've got brothers, we got Sister May in Germany, Jeremy in South Africa, Massachusetts, Chicago, New York, right? It's different times. India's in the house, Riverside, California, El Paso. Like, really, people are taking time, energy, and effort out of their day to come together well, with a little bit of coffee, a little bit of prayer, and it's all about Jesus. Maybe you don't have coffee. Maybe you're drinking water. Maybe you're drinking milk. I don't know what you're drinking out there, but I know that it's all for the same uh, reason, a deeper understanding with Jesus, a, a more intimate relationship, a better understanding of his word. You guys are putting forth effort to know him better. And I just want to say that I'm proud of you. I am proud of you. I love you. If nobody's told you this morning, told you today, I love you and I honor you. And I'm so excited for what we've got in store, um, not just today, but in general, right? Over 145 days in a row, we've shown up and we have read through the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians is where we're at right now, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and I'll tell you what, man, even as I'm traveling, uh, it gives me something to look forward to, it gives me something to stay disciplined and consistent, it has been a, a, a life changer, right, Coffee and Prayer has been a game changer, it's been a life changer, and I just want to let you guys know that I am thankful and grateful for each and every one of you guys who show up, whether it's live or whether it's on the replay, it's, it's all the same to me, but um, I appreciate you guys. And I honor you. So good morning. Good morning, good morning. Maybe this is your first time here. Uh, real quick, house cleaning. What we do is we read one chapter from the New Testament, one chapter from the Old Testament. I don't read it. You read it. If you want to read ahead, if you want to read it uh, before we get on here, during, after, if you want to read, uh, reread chapters. Like I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna say don't read more of your Bible. That is extremely ridiculous. Read what you want, but that's what we do here. And again, I don't read to you. You guys read this on your own. It is our devotion. So today is 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and uh, Psalm chapter 130. If you guys would put that in the chat, I'd love to pin that so that we um, we know what's going on there. Uh, that way anybody comes in late, they have it. If this is your first time, welcome in, welcome in. I'm trying to keep uh, I'm trying to keep these intros short and sweet. There we go. Sister May's on it. Bada bing, bada boom. If you guys don't know, it's in Germany, it's it's like 2.30 right now. It's afternoon, so she's a lot more with it. If some of you guys are trying to type out 1 Corinthians 9, she's already got it, man. She's 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 having her third cup of coffee today. No, I'm just kidding, right? So in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we have to understand like what was going on. In chapter 8, we were talking about uh, eating meat offered to idols. Um, some individuals in Christ, in the church of Corinthian, right? Ind individuals who are uh, following Jesus. Um, some are deciding to live and exercise the freedom that they have in Christ. They're just like idols. 
There is no other God. There's only one God. They're offering these, these meats and these things to these lowercase g gods. I'm going to eat them because first off, I don't believe in any other gods, only the one true God. And the sacrifices that they're making to these idols are, are they're, they're not real. It's all like a big joke. So they're having the freedom in Christ as they're allowing themselves to eat them. Some who are still following Mosaic law, they're followers of Christ, but they might not be exercising the freedom that they have. Uh, and so in their mind, they consciously believe that it's a sin. And so if they eat it, it's going against their conscience. Therefore, they are sinning. And the ones who are free, if they're leading by example and pushing their brothers in Christ to sin against their conscience, them they too are sinning, right? They're committing this, this uh, act of sin. And so Paul's saying, hey, just because it is okay, just because it is acceptable doesn't mean that it's best for your brothers and sisters in Christ. He's encouraging us to put the the needs, the greater need, the greater uh, the the greater good of the church before our own personal freedoms. Just because we are at a certain level of maturity, if what we're doing is causing our brothers or sisters in Christ to stumble, then we should take a step back and reevaluate if that's exactly what we should be doing. Right, the greater good of the church that's what's most important the body of Christ it says it, this was back in chapter 8 but be careful that your freedom does not cause those who are weak in faith to fall into sin your freedom your faith your strength in Christ make sure that it's not a stumbling block to others right so in, in, in chapter 9 Paul's adding to that and he's making it just kind of like he, he's adding emphasis and he says look man I'm a free man he says I'm an apostle I've literally seen Jesus. We remember on the road to Damascus, he heard the voice of the Lord and his eyes were closed and the scales were on there for three days and they fell off. He's saying, look, man, I've seen Jesus, our Lord. And he goes, you people are all an example of my work. And if others don't accept me as an apostle, surely you do because you're literally the seal of, of what I've done. I've spent a year and a half here. I've planted this church. The fruits of what's coming from this church uh, are, are here because this is, I, I'm an apostle. I'm an apostle to you. And so he says, look, I, uh, he says, this, this is the answer I give to people who want to judge me. He says, do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to bring a believing wife with us when we travel, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers and Peter? Are Barnabas and I the only ones who must work to earn our living? And he's saying, look, uh, there's, there's freedoms and there's, there's privileges that I have in Christ, but I don't even exercise them. I could be getting food and drink from all of you guys. I could grab a wife and take her with me, right? I could be, uh, you know, I, I could I could be doing these things. I work with my own hands. I don't ask for anything from the church. I'm not taking offerings from you guys. You guys aren't supporting me. He's saying no soldier ever serves in the army and pays his own salary. He's like, I'm a soldier in, in the, the, the army of God, and yet I pay my own salary. No one ever plants a vineyard without eating some of the grapes. So even in this sense, like a farmer plants and he reaps what he sows and he, he's able to grab from his own harvest and he's not even taking this. Paul is not even taking the liberties and the freedoms that he could be as an apostle. And he's like, I'm not, I don't say this by human authority. God's law even says the same, even in the book of Moses, the law of Moses. It says when an ox is in the grain, he's working in the grain, don't cover his mouth. So as he's working in the grain, he's able to eat well while he's working. And so he goes on, he says, if others have the right to get something from you, surely we have this right too, but we don't use it. Just because we have the ability to take and, and, and be supported and, and be fed by you guys, we don't do it. Does this make sense? We don't do this. He's like, so, so since we planted spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we should, start, uh, if we should harvest from you guys for the things for this life? 
If others have the right to get something from you, surely we have this right too. But we don't use it. No, we put up with everything ourselves so that we will not keep anyone from believing the good news of Christ. It's adding to this this privilege or this freedom that they were exercising. They're like, this is our right. We have the right to eat these meats. We have the right to do whatever we want. It is free. It's part of the freedom in following Jesus. And he's not even saying that they're wrong. He's like, you're not wrong. You could eat whatever meat that you want. It's not about food or drink. If you, you guys have, have, have found this way of like, okay, you're free. Eat whatever you like. But make sure that your actions aren't causing others to stumble. If it says that you love your neighbor as yourself, you're going to put the greater good of the church first before yourself. You're going to be selfless. Just because you can doesn't mean that you should. And and some topics that maybe are controversial and challenging to the church. Um, I know brothers and sisters in Christ here on this live. Um, not specifically, I'm not calling anybody out. But I'm sure that there's some of you out there who still smoke weed. Right? Uh, and, and and before you guys lose your mind, I don't need to know your opinion. I don't need to know your stance. This is not an argument. This isn't even a place for you guys to start talking about it. Because there are brothers and sisters in Christ who have found the freedom and liberty and, and will use scripture to, um, to, to justify their use of cannabis. THC, maybe even CBD. They will they will use their freedom in Christ to justify the use. Okay, again, not a place for us to discuss. This is not. I'm not trying. I'm I'm using this merely as an example. So please keep the opinion on your stance because that's not what we're here for. We're here for the scripture. So there are some brothers and sisters in Christ who use the the, the scripture also for drinking, right? Drinking or smoking weed. There's there's different ways that they've found this freedom that they like to exercise. And here's something that we can use this as an example. Okay, we can use this as an example. Don't allow, just because you found a way to make it okay and, and free in Jesus doesn't mean that it's for the greater good of the church. The greater good of the church is to put others first. What if you have no issue with drinking or smoking weed? It doesn't cause you to stumble. You still get into prayer. You still have a relationship with God. It hasn't become a spiritual stronghold. There's no addiction in your life. In fact, maybe it helps you relax. It's from the earth. God made it. All of these excuses that we use, right? Oh, well, I drink, but I don't get drunk. It's just to catch a buzz. But what if your brothers and sisters in Christ struggle with addiction? What if your brothers and sisters in Christ struggle with that idea? Is it okay for you to flaunt that liberty and that freedom? What if it's a stumbling block to others? Is that truly loving others as you love yourself if you're putting your own selfish freedom above the liberty and and the, the immaturity of other people? Again, I'm just using an example. I don't know what your guys' personal habits are behind the scene. I don't know where you stand on some of these controversial topics. And again, there's many Christians who are hard stance and say weed is a no, drinking is a no. And then there's some who, I know people who are on fire for Jesus, whether you want to agree with it or not, who produce fruit in their life, who partake in cannabis from time to time. It's just the fact of the matter. I do know Christians like that. And so... you. you However, they've justified it or found the freedom in their walk with Christ. Again, not an issue of salvation. Do they believe in the primary issues? Are they saved? Yes. Is it something that they partake in? Yeah. Who am I to sit here and judge when they have fruits, when they have relationship, when they know Christ? But my point is this. Paul is saying the same thing. Just 
because it's acceptable, because it's permissible, because you've found your Christian liberty and that you, you, you've found this caveat where you're able to exercise this freedom? Is it best for the church or is it a stumbling block? Does this controversial decision take time, energy, and effort from preaching the gospel? If you're constantly spending your time, energy, and effort trying to justify and make a stance because of your own personal comfort or because you found peace or solace in this issue, does it take away from the mission, the goal, and the assignment of why we're here? The sign, the mission, the goal, the assignment, like why we're here is to save souls. And this is what Paul's saying. He's like, I'm here to preach the gospel. And I don't want my freedoms. I don't want my liberties. I don't want my strength and understanding of relationship with Christ to stand between me and saving souls. Woo. Right? Now I know I'm talking to people because these are real issues that we deal with. So in the same way the Lord has commanded that those who tell the good news should get their living from this work, Paul goes on to say, he says, surely you know, let me, let me rephrase, let me back up. He says, no, we put up everything ourselves so that we will not keep uh, anyone from believing the good news of Christ. Surely you know that those who work at the temple get their food from the temple. Those who serve at the altar get part of what is offered at the altar. In the same way the Lord has commanded that those who tell the good news should get their living from this work. He's saying, hey, as an apostle, it is my right, it is my duty, it is something that I'm able to get. It is within my freedom, it is within my liberty. I could be here, Corinthians, and I could be asking you guys uh, for money. For I could be asking you guys to uh, support me. But I'm here and I'm not doing that because I don't want it to create an issue. He's like, I have not used, verse 15, he says, but I have not used any of these rights and I'm not writing this now to put like to make a guilt trip. Again, he's this is rolling over from chapter eight where they're talking about what is good and what is best for the church. What is what is permissible, what is okay, and what is best for the body of Christ, not just the body of you. Again, uh, even within our relationship with Jesus, we can sometimes get to a place where we believe the world revolves around us, that we're the centerpiece. Again, we are a very small piece of a much larger puzzle. And even walking, and again, he's talking, can I just, he's talking to the church. He's not talking to non-believers. He's not talking to people. He's talking to people who are saved. These are brothers and sisters in Christ. He's talking to the church in Corinth. He's talking to individuals who are saved, not lost. So the things that I'm talking about, I'm not talking to things that are primary issues. These are individuals who are saved. You guys, I understand that you know Jesus. You have a relationship with Jesus. You are here because you want to understand the word better. You want to know Jesus better. You want to have a deeper understanding and become more intimate. And so he's addressing situations, topics, and things that are happening within the church. So he's sitting here saying, hey, I'm not using my rights and I'm not writing this now because I want anything from you. He's like, I would rather die than to have my reason for bragging taken away. He's bragging in the fact that he goes out, he preaches the gospel, he asks for nothing. He has hung his life up. He doesn't take a wife. He doesn't take a salary. He doesn't take any support. He goes out. He earns his own way. I believe he was a tent maker. He goes out. He works a secular job and he does this all so that he can say, I'm out here preaching the gospel for free. I'm tell, I've made my I've made my life about Jesus even though I'm an apostle I've seen Jesus even though I've planted this church and many churches like it I am not here asking for anything I don't want to be disqualified. I don't want to be discredited. I don't want you guys to say, oh, well, he's doing it for money. He's out here and he's doing it for a living. No, you can't say that because he's working a regular job. He's working a nine to five. He's 
posting up. He's covering his own expenses. He's showing up to these places and he's preaching his heart out because he wants people to understand that I am here for the right reasons. I'm not here trying to sell snake oil. I'm not here trying to, you know, sell you guys a timeshare or multi-level marketing scheme. I'm here to tell you about Jesus. And I'm so, I'm willing to set aside all of the things that are due to me, the, the things that are due to me. These are even within my rights. It wouldn't be a bad thing if they put him up. It wouldn't be a bad thing if they gave him a salary. It wouldn't be a sin or a bad thing if he took a wife with him. But he's willing to set aside his own personal rights, his own personal freedoms in order to preach the gospel. It's a greater purpose. It's bigger than what we believe. It's bigger it, It's bigger than himself and he understands that. But most of us, we're so consumed with getting our rights or living within the, the, the parameters of what it is to be a Christian and making sure we're checking off all the boxes and tiptoeing as close to sin as we possibly can because we're not completely sold out. We're still on the fence. We're in this place where I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I have my salvation, but uh, I'm going to do what's best for me and my family. That's not really a Christian attitude. A Christian attitude is putting others before yourself. The need of the church is the greater good. If we could step back and step outside of ourselves and understand that to be a follower of Christ is to be a lover of people, we would start taking some of our personal liberties and our own personal freedoms and setting them to the side in order for the greater good of individuals. Things that are a stumbling block, things that discredit the church, things that are controversial. We would set aside our own personal comforts in order to help other people have a deeper understanding understanding of Jesus. And now we're preaching this morning. Come on, happy Thursday. Is that what it is today? Yeah, I think it's Thursday. Glory to God. Glory to God. And this is challenging. This is hard, man, because this world tells you it's all about you. It's all about you. Follow your heart. Do what makes you happy. You got to get yours. You got to grind 24-7. Chase the bag. Blood, sweat, and tears. Go hard or go home. Right, those, those those are all philosophies of this world, and I fell victim to them. I was a trainer for years, and that was my motto, man: blood, sweat, and tears. Go hard or go home. You know, if you know, if you just this grind mindset, which isn't even a bad thing, but that's not the that's not always the Christian mindset. It's philosophy and wisdom of this world that stands in direct opposition of the Scripture. Right, we got to work hard. We really do. There, there, there is a level of of, of working hard and a, a level of consistency and a level of discipline that we're going to get to. How uh, you discipline yourself and you have to die to self. And um, you know, some the the way that I receive the word is going to be different. Again, some people will be able to read this and they'll see something different. But the way that I see this walk with Christ is a very selfless walk. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm doing my best, okay? Doing my best to think about other people and other people's walks and the things that I'm saying, the things that I'm doing. Is it all pointing to me, me, me? It's all about me, me, me. Or is it pointing to, it's all about him. Your pain, it's about him. Your suffering, look at him. Your your your, your victories, look at him. You're, you're sad, look at him. You're happy, look at him. It's all about Jesus. It's him, 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 him. Let's, let's, let's take the focus off of ourselves. I'm here every day not for you to see me, me, me. I'm, I'm one of the most awkward people. When you try to give me a compliment and I'm not like trying to pat myself on the back because I don't know how to receive it because I'm not here for me. I'm not here for a biscuit. I'm not here for an applause. I'm not here for you guys to tell me how much I've changed your life. It's not me. Like I say, I'm just a guy in a Jeep who loves Jesus. And I have uh, I have this 
gift of consistency. I'm, I'm a psychopath. I love to show up. If I set my mind to something, I'm stubborn. I'm going to show up. Rain, snow, sleet, hell, sickness, whatever. If I say that I'm going to be here, I'm going to do my absolute best because I'm crazy. Not because I'm special, but I'm going to show up because heaven forbid I miss a day and then I'm on myself. There's nothing. So when people are like, oh man, you, you know, they're testifying, you've changed my life. And it's just like, ah, I haven't done anything. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. By the grace of God, I'm here. I shouldn't even be here. I should be dead. I should be in prison. I, by the, I'm only here by the grace of God, and He's used uh, my my you know my gifts. He's allowing me to use a gift that has hasn't always served me to be able to help people know Him better. I guess it's weird. It's not about us, fam. It's not even about us. It's really not. It's all about Jesus. He goes on to say, uh, telling the good news is my duty. It's something I must do. This is powerful. And he even says, how terrible it will be for me if I do not tell the good news. Because if I preach because it's my own choice, I have a reward. But if I preach and it's not my choice to do so, I'm only doing the duty that was given to me. So what reward do I get? He goes, this is my reward. That when I tell the good news, I can offer it freely. He says, I do not use my full rights in my work of preaching the good news. I, I said this before, like if you're partying on Friday because you made it through a 40 hour work week, like bro, you, you're, that's like a participation award. Why are you partying for something that you should be doing? Right? I don't need applause. I don't need you to pat me on my back for showing up and preaching the gospel and talking about Jesus every day. That's literally my duty. That's, that's why I was created and newsflash. That's why you were created too. What we're doing here, 500 people every day for 146 days, that's nothing special in my mind. This is, it's the bare minimum. This is what we should be doing. This is our duty. I'm not here because I'm collecting a paycheck. This isn't my, I'm not getting a salary from this. I'm here because I believe that this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to gather as the church. We're supposed to devote time to Jesus. We're supposed to start our day with scripture. We're supposed to start our day with prayer. We should be fellowshipping. There's nothing special about anything that we're doing here. This is what it should be. And I think maybe that's the draw. Maybe that's why you guys are here is because it feels right. This is what we're supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? This is what we're supposed to be doing. Does that make sense? Please don't give me a pat on the back. Please don't pat. We shouldn't. Uh, uh, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to sound hard-hearted or not empathetic, because I'm proud of you guys. If this is something that that is helping, that's getting you consistency and and uh, discipline, and we're going deeper. But I just feel like he he even says it, man. Telling the good news is my duty, something I must do. I feel like this is our duty. I feel like this is what we were saved for, right? I was saved for a reason. God saved my soul. Jesus saved my soul, and I believe that he saved yours too for, for a purpose. Not for us just to exercise freedom and to live our best life now. It, it, it's crazy to me, personally, this is my opinion, Okay, this isn't scripture, that there will be churches completely based around living your best life now. 
You know, you get saved and then, oh, he's going to bless your finances. He's going to bless your, uh, he's going to fix everything and he's going to heal everybody and everything is going to be good if you follow Jesus. And if you, and if you just, you know, pay $99.99 uh, this every month or whatever, and you get on this, this roll, then guess what? Then, uh, God's going to bless you and all things are going to be good. No, man. He saved you for a greater purpose than giving you prosperity here in this life. Does following Jesus, can can there be some financial blessing and prosperity? Absolutely. But that's not the case for everybody who follows Jesus. And my mind automatically goes to the martyrs around the world, to the individuals who are being persecuted. My, my mind immediately goes to the people who are being hung and beaten and executed and shot dead and beheaded who are following Christ. Where's their earthly prosperity? Is their faith not as strong as ours? No. I think that their faith is greater than ours. Is they put first things first, even unto death. They're unwilling to deny the name of Jesus in the face of opposition. I, I question how strong some of our faith is. Some of us are ashamed to even proclaim to our friends and family members, let alone gun to your head. Situation, put your faith in Jesus. Renounce Jesus right now or you're done. And, and I have an inclination. I think a lot of people might say it right now. Oh, I would never deny him. But just like Peter, the rooster crowed three times and he denied Jesus like three times in the face of it. But there's brothers and sisters in Christ who are facing death and refuse to deny our Lord and Savior. Where's their prosperity? Where's their house? Where's their 401k? Where's their nice car? Where is the prosperity? If we are associating life of ease and comfort with following Jesus, you've been fooled. You've been duped. Right? You've got a veil over your eyes. If you're going, well, I'm following Jesus and nothing's changing. Look, that, that's, that's, that's not how it works. There will be a change right here on the inside. And yes, we're building things up in heaven. But really, like, use your logical brain. If following Jesus means ease of life and comfort and nothing but peace, then why are our brothers and sisters with the strongest faith being drugged out of their homes and killed? Are you going to say that they don't have faith? No, their faith is much stronger. So, so you can't equate your situation and what you're going through to faith in Christ. You can have some of the strongest faith and your situation here on this earth might not change. It might be the same. It might get worse. And that's, that's our mindset. As soon as something goes bad, oh, God doesn't love me. He doesn't hear me. He's not with me. He's forgotten about me. Maybe he made a mistake. I don't know why he saved me. That's selfish. That's exactly what is it. It's selfish to think that uh, your salvation, you put by you putting your faith in Jesus. A lot of us are doing it because we believe that it's going to bless us, right? Because we're, we believe that it's going to uh, change our situation here in the moment. The only thing that my hope is, is that he changes my heart. I believe that. I believe that now I'm a dwelling place and a home for the Holy Spirit. I believe that. I now believe that if I take my last breath, I'm going to make heaven my home. I do believe that. I, I do believe that he is now with me. I believe that. I do believe that as I put my faith in Christ because of his blood sacrifice, the veil was torn and I have access to God now. I do believe that. But, but when I got saved at 17, it didn't change my financial situation. Uh, I, there's, I'm in a worst fight. And this is the TMI. I'm, it, don't be fooled by Instagram. Please, 
Please don't believe that I'm out here living a highlight reel. Please don't believe that I'm sitting in some some mansion or, or I'm, I'm doing super well financially. I'm provided for and I want nothing. But there, when I served the world, I lived a lot better. I had a lot more money. I had a lot more finance. I had a lot more things, a lot more experiences. But here's the thing. I would rather have little and serve God and have the knowing that there's individuals whose lives are being changed because God's using my testimony than to have a lot and, and be selfish and have this world revolve around myself. Does that make sense? It's not about things. It's not about money. It's not about materials. It's not about exercising your freedoms or getting what's due to you. You know what's due to me? Eternal separation to God because of my sin. That's what I truly deserve. That's what we truly deserve is eternal separation from God because of our sin. We got the greatest gift when Jesus went to the cross and paid the penalty for our sins. That's the greatest gift. And we didn't even deserve that. I digress. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul says, I am free and belong to no one. I'm not a slave. He goes, but I make myself a slave to all people to win as many as I can. I put the greater good of the church. I put the need of other people, those who are weak, those who are young, those who are new, those who are immature in the word. It's more important for me to love them and to help them from a place of selflessness than it is for me to exercise my rights, my liberties, and my freedoms in Christ. Other people are more important. So to the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. He goes, I myself am not ruled by the law. I, I'm, I don't have to practice what they do, but I do in order to relate to them. I do in order to make an impact to them. I do so that I'm relatable and I'm empathetic and I'm on their level. They see me in the same place and they want to know what I know. He says, but, but, uh, but those who are, are ruled by the law, I become like a person who is ruled by the law. I did this to win those who are ruled by the law. To the Gentiles, to those who are without the law, I became like a person who was without the law. I did this to win those people who are without the law. That doesn't mean he's like, oh, well, I smoke weed with those who smoke weed so I can get uh, I can get my point across. It's not, I go to the bar and get drunk so I can save those who are sitting at the bar. That's not what he's saying. He, he He's talking about the law, adhering to the Mosaic law and following the law in the synagogue and doing those things so that he can relate to the Jews. But then he also exercises some freedoms and he, he, he puts himself in a position where he can understand and relate to the Gentiles as well. But he says, but really, he goes, I became like a person who was without the law. I did this to win those people who were without the law. But really, I'm not without God's law. I'm ruled by Christ's law. To those who are weak, I become weak so I can win the weak. He goes, I have become all things to all people so I could save some of them in any way possible. And I do all of this because of the good news and so I can share in its blessings. He does this for Jesus. He does this. It's greater. He does it because it's greater. It's bigger than him. It's greater than him. It's bigger than his freedoms. It's greater than his liberty. It's greater than, than, than it, it's, it's bigger than him. It's bigger than him. And this is where we, we kind of close down. He says, you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. So run to win. All those who compete in the games use self-control so that they can win a crown. That crown is an earthly thing that lasts only a short time, but our crown will never be destroyed. So I do not run without a goal. I fight like a boxer is hitting something, not just shadow boxing, not just hitting the air. I treat my body hard and make it my slave so that I myself will not be disqualified after I have preached to others. Understand he's not talking about salvation. He's not saying that, hey, I've got to work, I've got to run, I've got to, be, I've got to do all of these things to be saved. He's saying, look, 
There is a day of judgment. You will have to answer for the time that you spent here on this earth and how you lived after receiving salvation. How are you going to uh, How are you going to account for your time? Hey, I got saved at twenty, but for you know forty years, I just kept the gospel to myself. For forty years, I just kind of you know I, I was saved and I did my thing and I I didn't talk to people. I didn't share the gospel. I just kind of lived for myself. I worked a good job. I raised a good family. You know, some of them are saved, some of them are not. We traveled a lot. We got to experience a lot of fun things and you know we had a pretty prosperous life that's not what life is about right you have to account for your time after you are saved after you put your faith in Jesus how did you spend life after death after you died to yourself and Jesus was resurrected inside of you the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you how did you spend that time Right? He said, I, I am now we are competing for a heavenly prize. We're competing for a heavenly crown. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, after I breathe my last breath. So for me, he's disciplining what he's saying, he's disciplining himself. He's using self-control. He's understanding the time that I have here on this earth is now marked by the fact that I died to self and I was resurrected with Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit dwells within me. And now I'm spending the rest of my salvation, the rest of my life right here, right now. I'm disciplining myself. I'm using self-control. I'm not exercising my freedoms. Just because it's allowed doesn't mean that it's best for the church. Just because it's permissible doesn't mean that it's wise. I'm going to discipline myself. I'm going to have self-control. I'm not going to do things that are going to make other people slip and stumble because it's not about me. It's about me using the time that God has given me, this gift, He's the time that he's blessed me with, to minister and to preach and to share the gospel with other people because that is the mission. That is the assignment. God has you in a place, a sphere of influence. That could be your friends, your family members. That could be your workplace, your school, your basketball team. God has you in a place, a specific place, and now there's a mission. It's a mission field and it's an assignment and it's not about you. It's about you being an ambassador of Jesus, sharing the good news and the gospel with how you live your life, how you treat people, how you love people. And you must be willing to have self-control. You must be willing to discipline yourself. You must be willing to be selfless. You must be willing to put your own rights and freedoms on the back burner and make other people more important than yourself. Because Jesus came to do what? He came to serve. Even as our friend, even as the lover of our soul, even though we call ourselves children of God, the way that Jesus exercised his freedom is by serving, by, by, by washing feet and not throwing stones, by living with love, by sitting with sinners but not sinning with them, and leading them, pointing them with truth and love to the foot of the cross, right? But, but how many of us are using the time, right, the, the, the gifts, the talents that he's given us? He's, he's breathed breath into you. He saved you for a purpose. How many of us are using this time after salvation to truly make him more known? Or are we just holding on to our salvation and we're just thankful we're saved and we're so we're still kind of figuring it out and we're focused on our past and we're focused on our suffering and we're focused on our trauma and we're paralyzed with fear and we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and we don't want to step on anybody's toes, but we're not ashamed of the gospel, but we don't want to share it with anybody because we don't want to push people away because we're more concerned with how they view us and their opinion of us and the things that they think and we don't want to offend because the belief that we have is a pretty strong foundation that's not movable or unshakable and the things that we we believe are in contradiction with what the world believes and what the world thinks. And so we don't want to ruffle any feathers. So we just hold our little salvation close to our heart and we join Bible studies, but we don't really want to be out there. But that's what you were saved for. It says that uh, you don't put a lampshade over a lamp. 
you're a light in this world. But many of us are so, you know, we're so nervous and filled with fear and worry and concern about what other people are going to think. And so we like to put a little lampshade over our light. We don't want to shine too bright. We don't want to, we don't want to stir up any demons. We don't want any conflict. We just want to get, get along with everybody. Believe whatever you want. Do whatever you want. But, but, but I believe what I believe. And I'm going to keep that to myself. Wow. Is that what we were made for? Is that what you were saved for? I think of, immediately I think of the parable of the master who gave individuals these talents. And, and, and one he gave, and then you know three he gave, and then five he gave. And then he goes away, right? And, and for me, I feel like God's saying, hey, I, I saved you, and, and here's a gift. I've given you this talent to make me more known. What are you going to do with it? And with the five, he doubled it. And with the three, he doubled it. But with the one, they had this gift, this salvation, and they just hold it tight to their chest, or they bury a little hole, and they hide it in there. And they're just like, I don't, you know, I don't know what to do while the master's gone. And when he comes back, he's going to call us to account. What did you do after I saved you? You had the gift of art. You had the gift of music. You had the gift of speaking to each other, to people. You had the gift of encouragement. I've given you these gifts and these talents in the body of Christ. And, and I went away and you were saved. What did you do? Did you use those gifts and talents to help other people? Did you encourage the body of Christ? Did you step into the place that I called you to step into? Oh, you did? Awesome. And you doubled it. So here's your reward. Oh, I gave you three. What'd you do with it? You did the best you could. You doubled it. Awesome. Well, what about you? Oh, well, I hid it. He's like, bro, you should have put it in a bank. It would have at least got some interest. All that you did is you took your salvation and you held it and you hold, you know, you didn't want to talk to anybody about it. That's what I'm getting for that. That's, that's the, the parable that God put on my heart as we're talking about. What are you doing with the time left? Are, are you just here to exercise your freedoms and to find your Christian liberty and to live your best life now that just is surrounded around you? Or are you using your time, energy, effort, resources? Some of you, some of you guys, God has given you a, a, a sense of comfortable finances, like has given you um, money and has given you power or have given you a position. God has given a lot of individuals these different gifts and talents and they're all going to look different. And some of us, we take these gifts and we, these talents that God's given us. I know individuals, God has given the gift of, of music or singing, but they take that gift of music and singing and they promote themselves. They use these gifts of, of artistry and, and this gift of singing or dancing or entertainment. And rather than using them to bring glory to God, they use them to glorify themselves. And they're going to have to answer those, to that, right? I believe that they're saved, but they're using these talents and these gifts that God gives them, right? We call them God-given talents. These people who have been blessed and rather than glorifying God, they glorify themselves. And that gift and that talent can be the gift of making money. That gift or that talent could be the gift of, of encouraging others. That gift or talent could be the gift of serving. Or that there's so many different gifts and ways that God has blessed each one of us. But many times we're using those gifts and those talents to glorify us, to prosper us, to make our lives more comfortable. When the very thing that God gave you should be used to edify the body and to help others in the, the situations that they're in. And we're mismanaging our talents. We're mismanaging managing our gifts. We're mismanaging these things that God has given us because we're so consumed with self and we're more, we're more concerned with our comfort than we are with the other brothers and sisters in the church who are struggling, who are going through things. Thank you, Jesus. Some days it just be like that. You never know what you're going to get. You know what we got? Better Wi-Fi today. That's what we did get.
by the grace of God, no weapon formed against us will prosper. No weapon formed against us will prosper. So, uh, moving forward, we've got Psalm chapter 130. Again, you guys read through it. Um, have a better understanding of the context and what Paul is saying, why he's breaking it down. Again, he's talking about, uh, and kind of the thing that I wrote, the underlying, um, the underlying idea here is what is allowed is not always what's best, right? What is permissible is all, not always wise. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. And this is what I said as I, I'm, I'm here in Gilroy. I'm hanging out at Pacific Point Christian School. We had a cool basketball game last night. Um, a lot of fun. Staff versus the students. And um, yeah, we gave them buckets. We gave them buckets. We had a good time. But uh, one of the kids was asking about music. And I was just like, I love this question because um, they're asking, well, I listen to this artist. He doesn't do a lot of cussing, but he talks about a little bit of stuff. And, and that was what I said. I said, just because you can, right? I'm not going to sit here and say that one specific artist, listening to one specific artist is a sin over the next. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. Okay. I'm saying you're free. It's not an issue of salvation. You're free to consume whatever you want. You can watch what you want. You can listen to what you want. You can be a fully saved Christian because this is not a primary issue, right? You're, you believe in the primary issues. You're saved once you're saved, what do you do with that time? You get to choose. You have the freedom, the free will, the choice to listen to whatever you want and to watch whatever you want. It, it's not an issue of salvation, right? Agree or not agree. That's fine. But what I'm saying is just because you can doesn't mean that it's best. And it doesn't mean that it's wise. And in fact, you being a Christian and listening to whatever you want could become a stumbling block for somebody who's weaker and more immature in the faith, right? Imagine me being a mature Christian and I can listen to whatever I want. It doesn't cause any problems. And this young Christian who just got saved comes through and they're going, well, what are you listening to? Oh, well, I'm listening to this song. Well, aren't they, aren't they kind of a worldly and more secular artist? And you go, yeah, but there's freedom in Christ, man. You can find God in anything. You can listen to whatever you want. And this young, immature Christian goes, oh, okay. So there's, okay, let me let me try that out. And so they go away and they start listening and consuming whatever it is that they want to consume because you've, you have reached this place of freedom in your walk, but now they open a door and a gateway to something that consumes them, that becomes challenging, that leads them astray, that becomes a temptation. Uh, even though it's free and permissible doesn't mean that it's wise. And so what you just did is you led somebody astray. You've created a stumbling block through your freedom and through your rights and through your justification. And this is what Paul's talking about is not everything that is permissible, not everything that is free and okay means that it's good or wise or even best for the church. And so you have to put yourself, your own selfish desires and your own selfish exercising of your freedoms and rights that you found within Christ, you have to put those on the back burner for the greater good of the other people. Because please don't get me wrong. There are some old Tupac songs. There's some Biggie doctor. I grew up in the 90s, man. I love music. And there's some artists that I struggled with letting go of, right? 
I could sit here and paint a picture and be like, oh, well, 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 DMX has a couple Christian songs. Bro, the majority of his music, regardless of his heart posture or his relationship with Jesus, was talking about sexual immorality, right? It was, ta- it was calling women bees, right? It was talking about uh, drugs. It was talking about a lot of stuff. Just because he has three songs that are the Lord's Prayer, Father, forgive me. Let me, oh, Jesus is gross. But then the very next song, he's talking about shooting somebody in the head. So I... It, the freedom and the way that I twist and manipulate it to try to justify me listening to music that doesn't glorify God can be and will be a stumbling block for somebody who is new in Jesus. So I have to put my own personal desires and wants and freedoms on the back burner and say, hey, no, you shouldn't listen to any of that stuff in order for the greater good of the church to become more mature and to become better and more well-versed in what it means to live a life that is holy, set aside, and set apart, and focused on Jesus. Father, forgive me. Hey. I know what song. I listened to them. I, I had all of the albums. It's dark and hell is hot. I know all of the albums. Slipping, one of my favorite songs by DMX. I grew up on that stuff. So please don't think that I grew up in a church where I was... Uh, I, I have no heart or no rhythm or no beat. I love it. I love it. But I had to make a decision. What's best for the church? Me twisting and manipulating things in order to fit my own selfish needs and desires? Or do I got to cut everything off right at the head so that I can be a better example for the church? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a decision not based on what I want or what I'm able to do. I've got to make a choice and a decision on what's better for the entire church. Amen. I'm fired up about it because, and again, we're talking to people who are saved because there's going to be people on both sides of the coin. And all I'm trying to do is, is preach the scripture, right? The truth. So if you're just like, oh, that's called conviction. That's the Holy spirit. It's, you know, and you could say, well, that's your opinion, Andrew. And I choose to do this. I love you still. That's your decision. And you're right. Um, but I, I pray that you will get to a place where you understand that the, that your justification of what's right and what's wrong doesn't mean that it, that what you're doing is a sin. But is it best? Ask yourself this question. Is it best for the greater good of the church? Is it selfless? And, and where is the focus? Is the focus on your freedoms and your justification and your it being permissible, right? Or is it a stumble or can it be a stumbling block for other younger, more immature, weaker Christians? What do you want to do? I want to help others because I love others and it's not about me. In Psalm 130, moving forward, you know what I told myself? I said, today we're going to go a little bit shorter. And um, <laughs> it was a joke because the Lord had different, he had different plans. It's funny how we can make plans, but God establishes our steps, right? That's scripture. Uh, the, the, the mind, the heart of a man will make plans. The mind of a man will make a plan. Yet God establishes the steps. I remember I was brushing my teeth this morning. I was like, you know what? We're going to probably go about 30 minutes today. I've gone over the scripture. There's not a whole lot that I feel like I need to share. And the Lord was just laughing. He was like, yeah, right, bud. (laughs) We're going to talk the entire time. I've got a lot to share. Um, So thank you, Jesus. He's got a sense of humor. Boy. In 130, it says, out of the depths have I cried unto thee. It says, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Because if thou, Lord, should mark iniquities, who should stand? If God was keeping a tally of your sins, who would be able to stand? 
I wouldn't, right? He says, if you would mark iniquities, right? You're up there taking a checklist of all of the sins, the mistakes, the failures, the poor choices, and you know, then who would be able to stand? Not one of us. Not one of us. But there is forgiveness with thee that you may be feared. He says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word do I hope. My soul waited for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy. And with him is plenteous, plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Verse 5 is what I really want to like. I really want to, you know, emphasize. <clears throat> I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. This is the point where preacher man talks about reading your Bible. That's why we're here, reading scripture. His hope is in the Lord. He waits on the Lord, but his hope is in his word. His hope is in his word. At this spiritual emphasis week, I'm here talking about, and it's when you're talking to kids, um, it's, it's awesome, um, but do you know how often they hear, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, and, and it just becomes like a broken record. Unfortunately, as we all know, as we're learning and growing, if you want to be effective and walk in authority and know Jesus better, it comes with reading the Bible. There's no, there's no bones about it. There's no getting around it. His word is truth. His word is a foundation. His word is unshakable. His word is unmovable. It's filled with nothing but truth and guidance. It's a GPS for my heart. It is a navigation system. It's a map. It's a how-to. It's a honeydew. It's it's so many different things. It's everything. It, it convicts. It changes. It transforms. It teaches. It gives correction. It gives discipline. Like all of the things that we are searching for. We're searching for answers, right? It's a search engine in and of itself. Oh, God, I'm struggling with anxiety. Hey, don't be anxious. Oh, Lord, I'm worrying. Hey, don't worry. Oh, man, I'm so filled with fear. Fear not. Oh, man, God, uh, you know, I'm so lonely. I'm burning. You know, there's all of these There's all of these temptations. What should I do? Hey, look for the way out. Um, oh, man, the enemy's coming against me. Resist the devil and he will flee. Oh, I'm struggling with sexual temptation. Flee. Run from sexual temptation. Anything that you can possibly think of and what you're going with and dealing with, the Bible is literally a search engine. That is where our hope should be. That is where our trust should be. Well, Andrew, I don't know where to find it. You don't know where to find it because you haven't read it. It's almost, it's almost like that's the point, right? You don't know where it's at because you haven't really opened it and devoted time, energy, and effort to searching it. I haven't said this analogy in a long time. I'm gonna use it though because today is a perfect point. If I opened this book, right, and I said, "Ugh," and I wrote down the code to my safe. And in my safe, there was $10 million. And I closed the book and I handed it to you. And I said, if you find the code, you can get whatever's in there. You can have what's ever in that safe. What would you do? You would take this book and you would meticulously go through every single page, searching and going through trying to find that code. Would you not? $10 million are on the line. You find the code. I wrote it somewhere in this book. What would you do? You would search high and low and you you would devote your time, energy, and effort to searching the pages of this book to find that code. Why? For $10 million, 
You would. Let's be honest. I would too. But here I'm saying, here's this book. And inside of it are the answers to your problems. There's direction. There's peace. There's comfort. There's wisdom. There's knowledge. And we know that wisdom and knowledge are finer than gold and rubies. There's everything that you possibly need within the pages of this book. Here you go. Search it. What do you do? Oh, I'm going to read the verse of the day from you version. That's enough. I'm good. But then you walk around depressed, sad, anxious, filled with worry and fear. I don't know what to do. Hey, well, here's this book. I'm, I'm telling you, here's this book that has the answers to your problems. You should look in it. Oh, but I, I don't know what to do. Well, here's my little verse of the day. You read your little verse of the day, and then you go back to walking around in defeat with no authority, no boldness, no confidence, no conviction. Right? We have to get past this idea that the Bible's boring. We have to get past the fact that, that, that it's just an option. It's not optional. Reading your Bible is a non-negotiable. It's not optional. And the, the what you get out of it is what you're, you're going to put. What you put in is what you get out. Does that make sense? What you put in is what you get out. If you're not going to devote time, energy, and effort to understanding the word and writing it on your heart, continue to walk in the same defeat that you're walking in right now. Continue. Nothing's going to shift. Nothing's going to change. The word is life. Man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the word, out of God's mouth, it's him speaking to us. It's a love letter. It's a victory letter. It's, hey, you're not that. You're this. You're new. You're bold. You're authoritative. You have the, the enemy, this world has no power over you. They're going to form weapons against you, but they will not prosper because you're a new creation. You're a light in a dark world. You're the salt of the earth. People, you, you are illuminating. You're, you're fit like, oh my goodness. I wish that I could just teach you guys like who you are. And you know where it's found? It's found in the Bible. It's found in the Bible. Anyway, I digress. In your word, I hope. That should be our hope, not in money, not in things, not in experience, not in relationship, not in love. All, all of those things will let you down. All of those things will disappoint. My hope is in the word because the word is solid. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing changes. That's where I need to put my hope. That's where I need to put my emphasis. That's where I need to put my, my time, energy, and effort. And, and not, not you know, uh, a lot of people will say, well, how long should I read my Bible each day? Yes is the answer to that. There's not like a, 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 you know, 60 minutes and at 59, if it's at 59 and you cut it out too early, it doesn't matter. Uh, if 61, oh man, you're doing like, it's your relationship with God. It's your understanding. It's your knowledge. It's your grasp of who you are and your identity and who he says that he is. It, it's, it's in the balls in your court and what you do with it. It's up to you. And you will receive if you put in the time, energy, and effort to knowing him better. It says in James chapter 4, verse 8, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. By you getting into the word is you drawing near to him. What does it promise? He's going to draw near to you. It says that if you knock, he will open. But most of us aren't knocking. Most of us are waiting for him to come in a burning bush or through a talking donkey or some kind of a miracle to happen or, or us to hit the lottery thinking that's what life's about. It's not. It's so much greater than that. God has an, a great plan, purpose, and will for your life that has nothing to do with money, has nothing to do with any of those things. It has to do with prospering your heart, transforming your soul, changing uh, who you are, forgiving your sins, raising you up as a new creation, walking in boldness and authority, and using the time that you have left to tell the world about Jesus, the lover of your soul, and the Savior uh, of your life. Oh, Holy Spirit.
when I'm yelling, it's not because I'm mad, right? I want to be very clear. I had to tell the kids this yesterday, and it comes off so aggressive. I'm not yelling at you because I'm mad. I'm I'm loud because I love you. And they're just like, okay, big guy, go like take ten steps back. You're super aggressive. And I'm just thinking like, I'm I'm not even there's I'm not angry, but I'm passionate. I just want people to. I just want it to click. I want people to get it. Um, and I understand that it takes a while. It took me forever. And, and then I get frustrated because it's just like, I don't even get frustrated. It took me forever, but I get, it's like, why did it take me so long for it to click? And, and now that I have this knowledge and this information, I just want you to get it. I just want you to understand. And so I get so passionate. Anyway, let's get up out of here. Um, I've got an early start this morning, so I want to pray. If you guys would pray with me, that would be fantastic. You guys can put your prayer request in the comment section. Praying hands is an unspoken prayer. Prayer warriors, if you want to lift up up others praying as we're going, that's awesome. Don't forget there's a Bible study, Royal City. We're having our Bible study. If you go to our church page, which is the link in my bio, if you guys have questions, link in my bio. That'll tell you about our church. It'll tell you about the location. It will give you a place if you want to give or donate or tithe. It will give you the times. It will give you our next baptism schedule. It will give you a link to our Bible study, our men's group, all of that stuff. Link in the bio. Here we go. Link in the bio. They're there for a reason. The links in the bio are there for a reason. That will answer all your questions. I promise you. If you go to the link in my bio, it's a link tree and there's just like so many things. It'll help you. But uh, Bible study tonight, I will not be there. Just FYI, that doesn't matter. I don't need to, but we, we have stuff here in Gilroy. So this will be the first week that I didn't have the chance to hop on. Um, but Chris and my brother Christian are, are tag teaming this Bible study. Christian's on here right now. Um, and, and I look forward to what they have to share this evening. It's going to be a beautiful thing. And no, we do not have a women's group quite yet. That's an awesome question. Um, but asking my wife to take more onto her plate than she already has as the backbone of our ministry would be selfish of me. And so to protect her peace and her sanity, um, as well as answering messages and praying for people and creating social media content and then running an entire church, um, she does not have the capacity to do so. So as many of you guys who are like, oh, tell Kyra to do one, you tell Kyra to do one because I'm not going to ask that woman to take anything else on her plate. I believe that a woman will rise up within our ministry who will be able to tackle that task. But um, even the Bible study is not something that I have the capacity to do with everything else that I do. Understand that um, you know we do try to have lives in a successful marriage on top of all of the things that we pour out. But do believe there will be a woman's ministry at some point when the timing is right. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for your truth. We want to thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love, God. Hallowed be your name, meaning your name stands alone. Yours is the name above all names. There's no one like you. God, you are so, so loving and empathetic and passionate. God, you are truth. You, you blow our minds sometimes with your love. The fact that you would uh, go to the cross before we ever committed one sin. You knew our past, our present, and our future, and still thought that we were to die for. You still thought that we were worth the sacrifice. Even as we lied, we cheated, we turned our backs on you, we rejected you, we've been ashamed of you, we've denied you, that despite all of our sin, you still thought that it was worth it. 
And that is a love that blows our mind. It's, it's beyond our understanding. We can't even begin to grasp the concept of that, Lord, because even in our feeble, short lives, if somebody crosses us, we struggle to find forgiveness, yet forgiveness flows from your blood. You are love. And God, we honor that. We praise you and give you glory and honor because you are worthy. You are worthy. Mm, Holy Spirit, we just want to say thank you. God, we lift up our prayer requests and all that we say is that answer them according to your will. That's all that we want, Lord, is your will to be done here on this earth as it is in heaven. God, if it's not from you, we don't want it. If it's a door that's opened that's not from you, then we pray that you close it. And we want to live a life that brings glory and honor to you. Father God, we ask that you would ignite the passion and the fire, that you would awaken, Lord, uh, that you would resurrect the purpose and plan that you have for our life. That if we've made it something that it was never intended to be, uh, regardless of the discomfort, regardless of the pain, that you would reorganize our lives and put us on a path that you've set before us, that you've illuminated with your light. We understand that this comes, that this is a bold prayer, that it comes with discomfort, that it might come with growing pains, that it might come with broken relationships, it might come with friendships falling apart. But Lord, help us to burn with your Holy Spirit, God, just like you burn. Help us to be excited about the things that excite you. Help us to love the things that you love. Help us to be focused on, on things that expand and, and grow the kingdom. And help us to lay down anything that we've created, an idol that is distracting us, pulling at our attention, or, or taking our focus off of you. Because we love you. And that's what we're here for. God, resurrect the, the assignment Help us to start seeing things the way that you see things. Help us to start seeing people the way that you see people. With love and with truth and with empathy. Help us not to rush to judgment or rush to condemnation of individuals who aren't as far along as their walk uh, in their walk as we are. Help us to get down off of these holy high horses that we've set ourselves upon because of our self-righteousness. And help us to start loving people, not judging individuals by, by like, like the book and its cover, God. Help us to start judging individuals the way that you judge, which isn't judging at all, which is filled with love and, and truth and compassion. Help us to walk in other people. Help us to get into other people's shoes and to start walking a couple miles in their shoes and being a little bit more understanding. And help us to not rip salvation away from other people based on our limited understanding. God, help us to truly be like your son, Jesus. And we pray this in his mighty name. Amen. I love you guys. And uh, I pray that you all have an amazing day. I look forward to being back here tomorrow. Tomorrow is my last day in Gilroy. Be praying for the kids. Uh, we get to meet with the littles today, um, the, the K through 6th graders, as well as the high schoolers. Our last day with the high schoolers. Just pray that their hearts are softened and that the seeds that we plant, they fall on fertile ground. And whether they fall on their face and receive Jesus today, or maybe it's a year or five or ten, that uh, we understand the, that the word doesn't return void. And so we're here faithfully uh, doing the Lord's work, but just pray that God would use us as vessels for his Holy Spirit, and that at the end of the day, Jesus would receive glory. That's all we want. That's all we want. So anyway, I love you. I honor you, and I will see you guys all back here tomorrow morning. Have a great day, you guys.